own poems, recent poems, poems of poems of annihilation, poems of the knockdown center. This is right, recent as in January twentieth, just today I think. January twentieth, knockdown center poem. The knockdown center is where you knock away distractions and enter in. Just enter. If you have created a habit, it's like you have a jackhammer. Taking up, taking up the right position does not become an imposition. To advance, meditator, just lying down is painful. Sitting in contemplation, knitting in meditation is more comfortable. You can break up the blockchain just in front of your head and enter within. You can do this with your Simron. You can just do ego annihilation, which will make something, make everything more peaceful. On Sundays, everyone is free to do Simran until they reach enlightenment. You can take advantage of it, of the chance. The ideal situation is instantaneous samadhi. Clearly, you can, you should want that dearly. You can get a true buzz if you are ethical and sit at four. A brain scan would just reveal that I am not there. Science does not understand mysticism because mystics are on a different diet. My worldly life, I just emptied out like it was just clutter. When I reached the first plane, it began to rain. I fertilized my feet and was able to eat. To stop, able to stop to eat. You idealize sitting. All day, but then just sit until nine, and then receive your karma. When Deepama said just sit for two days, I said, I said, yeah, sure, as long as I could have tea and coffee and go to the bathroom. If someone uses the prime of their day and their life is just to their life to just do Simran, can you blame them? You can get a doctorate. And just being lame, and just not being lame. If you can meet the inner gods, why not? You do not have to be Paul Twitchell to make the switch. When you turn 64, you can just play tennis instead of golf. If your right hand gets sore, you can use the left. But your body fat at 15%. With your body fat at 15%, it's easy to save your knees and hips and knees going up to the top of Mount Olympia. It's the real Olympics. It would be nice if someone could understand at what I hint at. You do not have to be a Sikh to immigrate to Sach Khan. You can be a white dude and and read the Guru Granth. You can. Unlock your chains without using CBD gum. You can be self-sufficient just within mysticism. If your guru comes a lot, it will be spring a lot. You can be in ecstasy a lot, and the scientists will say, "Oh, that was nice." 
You can enter into a state of completion when you reach age 61.8. The rest of the world will just have to wait. If you have been robbed, it is easier not to get a job so that it does not happen again. You can stop the senseless cycle of being a narcissistic supply source. Sorry, I dropped it. <laughs> what happened? Okay. Poem David Smith, January 20th, 2020, with a hashtag meditation, Deepatma, Potwitchell Tennis, Narcissism. Let's see here. Next poem The Big Chill. The Big Chill. Big chill poem, from what I understand, all initiates that fall below the minimum will fail. To succeed in anything, the first thing you have to do is meditate. Your prospects are not good if you do not follow through. You just are you are just destined to suffer until you wake up. These plantitudes have a lot of rigor. The the journey on the path takes place right now, not yesterday and tomorrow. The steps along the Buddhist path are gigantic, not little. We all know that. Who is going to play the long game? I barely know anything about Zen. It doesn't seem like I will ever get to Kyoto. I have not got any plan. It is possible to cut open the sky with a pair of scissors. Is it possible? Old, old men can sit on the floor until they are worn out. How did you grab energy from another planet? How do you? Is that astrophysics? You can turn over your mind uh, to central processing and just see if it can be reconditioned when you come to... Deep winter, it could just be a good time to begin. Like Simran, you could just say Jim Jim. If you withdraw from the human condition, contact you do not have to enlarge your ego. All I do is meditate, play tennis and eat, piano, play piano and eat. But I am not very great and I was already destroyed by the authorities of late. On summer cold days, just contemplation could be your exercise. That is, if you live in Canada, when you turn 65, you just make up for all your slaw. You can't just make up for all your slothfulness when you were 25. When you are intellectual, you can still practice being a simpleton. It would be so dope if you were totally lit. Meditation can be the ultimate in self-development skill. Too bad it is taught in school. Start. It is too bad it is not taught in school starting very young. No, I have to use a lot of headspace just to catch up. If I could just listen to the music of the spheres, then I would no longer have any fears. I could go into a permanent state of transformation.
You can chill for a very long time if you just do Simran. A poem by David R. Smith, New York City, October, December 11, 18, 2020. <laughs> it has a picture of a tennis player and it says, Hashtag chill, wit, dope, so dope. Next poem. Choir Grace poem. You can entertain a spiritual entity right inside your head. Just by making your continual practice continually can be monumental. You can log on immediately and develop your crowd space. You can contemplate like Buddha just in underwear. Once you reach the top of your head, you will be everywhere. If God is lonely, he will pick up your trail. Especially in the wee hours, a spoonful is a momentous portion. Talking with the mothership is the real trip. Meditating every day, you can be enlightened all the time. You don't have to be too underwind. Do not have done wine, you can begin up in your head almost like when you go to be dead. You can be like a trend trader, a vapor on who trades in the world to just go in. Who trades in the world just to go in? You can be nobody by just meditating every day. You can find a solution to all your problems by just doing Simran and eliminating them from your thoughts and just force them on God. You can look down from the top of the tree instead of chop at the branches. You can meditate all day instead of flying for 24 hours to India. When you have caught the vein of your vanity, then you can shrink your space. That is the way to avoid disgrace and acquire grace. A poem by David Smith, New York City, December 16, 2020. Hashtag we hours, spoonful, portion control, vaporon, meditate.
self-love. <laughs> self-love foam. An alternative to just sleeping is half. In the second half of the night is reaching enlightenment. Many can get up for an early fight, but if you do, for God's sight, you can break through the inner lower planes if you just concentrate. You can go to the Buddhist society and get the Suzuki manual. You can go to the center for stillness and not doing anything and quietly sit there. You do not have to bring a thing. The late afternoon is another time in which you can reconnect, reconnect to the sublime. Especially in winter, there are various kinds of bliss, some truly great and others not. The primary, the essential bliss is from the meditation daily, without which it is hard to exist. You can enjoy runner's bliss after like two hours playing tennis. That is like the athletes, you can get a good buzz from playing the piano. <laughs> you can acquire quietude with just a good book. With with concentrated simran, you can cut through your thick skull. The third eye is very important. It should not be given less maintenance than the car. You do not have to be a jarhead if you sit for a long time. It is very enjoyable to be an advanced monk as the worst in the lot. As the worst in the lot, I have to say simran very loud. I am very... I I am still very proud and have a block in my head. I can't break through the cloud. They do not have retreats long enough for me, so I have to contemplate every day of my life. It can be a disaster if you do not practice leaving. You can be an average jail provided you first replicate Buddha. I have to meditate in the morning, afternoon, and evening because I need more days and must turn one into three. That is my trinity. You can't just stick your foot in the pool. You have to be all in if you want your face to shine with moonshine. That is why they have to practice all the time. You can just feed your soul and relieve your brain. Your being that is eternal is a given. Just a few berries and beans will can fulfill my dreams. Life does not have to be mean. You can ex execute self-love as the greatest medicine. Poem by David Smith, self-love is the greatest medicine, said, quote, Buddha, self-love, Buddha. Hmm. This one's called uh, Meditation and Tennis. <laughs> meditation and Tennis poem. Each day I accomplish two things, then struggle to do a third thing. I start with meditation and reading, then do exercise in the evening. I return to meditation and might play the piano. You can be a forgotten poet and still do Simran and just become the remembered. Doing, going into the timeless is what the, mo, what the most matters. If you are slim and your knees bend very well, then you have an advantage. You can read about Aiku and Zen. The main event of each day could be complete withdrawal into bush. You can do a, do, can do a podcast and even read fast or slow. You can reduce your stuff with active decluttering as it is more comfortable for a Buddhist to be a minimalist. You can fill the emptiness with bliss. 
The doctrine of withdrawal is about getting lighter. That is what is nice about it. You can also become a po exclusively positive most of the time. All that I accomplish is to meditate, write poetry, and play tennis. I also podcast and play piano. It is only in the afternoon that we do serious eating. A poem by David Smith, January 13th, 2020. With hashtag... <laughs> Positivity, minimalism, poetry, tennis, piano, podcast, meditation. This one is called Everything is Good for Everything. Uh, if you do not have a schedule, you can get exhausted by the diffusive, sedentary nature of ordinary people. That is why they have a monastery. Everything is good for everything and nothing is even better. Meditation can be used to establish a universal connection. Minute ones are trivial. Annihilation is a good cure for a lack of concentration. Just touching the earth is the end and the beginning of con contemplation. Flags can form a diamond shape, same as the pinpoint in the third eye, and you can see the inner sky. So why waste your time with who on the outside often told a lie? You can nurture your inside by accepting that you are a Buddhist monk. The fact that you are a stream enterer should not be ignored. You can sit on the floor. Minimalism is compatible with a mystic because he can be inwardly filled with Simran. Most people think he is in a trance, but there is more to life than trance. That is why we have wisdom. If you are living correctly, you can maintain the glow worm and always be ready. Meditation becomes a new state which you can go to. You can officially arrive at your guru's door before reaching 64. You can become slim in order to thrive, and going through death's door can be the first thing that happens. You can forget about your tea and just be instant on enlightened. The extreme cultivation of energy can be done by an old philosopher. This is how you get a new edge and accomplish something. Your doctorate can be repeated slowly. You can play tennis all day instead of sit around and complain. You can betray the world uh, instead of yourself and go to the other side. Having an ego is a way of life for those who fail, fall short. You just have to tolerate them. If they show up on the tennis score, you can just deliver to them the extreme slice and watch them have to dance for it. You can have a ball of fire way up in the sky and just be there. You don't have to worry about your thoughts, you can just swat them, you can use your extreme advantage, having a Satguru, you can develop some extra muscle. Simran can be practiced as an alternative to thought. You can become an extreme Buddhist before others wake up, the top of your head can be an elitist ski slope. An extremely violent world can lead you Godward. You can even pass through scorched earth. Your meditation often, by meditating often, you can keep the time. You can read without being read, read with inflammation. A poem by David Smith, December 12, 2020. Hashtag Buddhist meditation. Mm -hmm. mm. Everything is good for everything. Mm.
elite center for a meaningful existence. In your Simran, you could just get stuck on Satnam like a broken record. If your karma had reached none, what is stopping you from going there? You can put all your free will into contemplation, then the remaining fate you might have, you can just either meet or delete. It is a bad, it is the bad stuff. If it is bad stuff, you can just delete it with the sound current. If it is pleasant, you can meet up with it, provided it is predestined, otherwise forget it at the same time, realizing nothing is permanent. Perfect health is very similar to being spiritual. Now they even say just having good posture improves your health, sort of like just having a straight back. Just having a straight back and doing Simran can mean being a saint while lying down can just mean being ordinary. Is that what it means to simplify it all? You can just get up at three and go to bed at eight. You can give your best to God and your tired and poor to the world. Question, the question is, would not make you a saint? Where is the tired and poor? It is more like you vibrate. You can create a release center for a meaningful existence and call it an ecology center for meditation and expression. You can get an eighth of a cup of nuts and an eighth of a cup of chickpeas. That would be enough. By eating beans today, it's like getting a second meal tomorrow. You can be fed just by your gut flora while you meditate. You can develop a Want to develop a contemplative intelligence rather than just get a place in the world? Your offer to the world could be your brain scan, which shows that you are quiet. Whether you have a long poem or a short poem does not matter as long as it is well worn. A poem by David Smitten, January 9th, 2020. Hashtag is how not to diet. <sighs> I'm gonna stop there, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're gonna continue walking through or reading through the Rose Journal huh? to 1857 so we can finish on time. Thrill wouldn't want me to dress up too nicely because uh, it would mess up his journey, walks, and cause people to have him spend more money. So, <laughs> I'm not well dressed for this reading. August 10th, 1857. Um, and reading in uh, the best of Thoreau's journals, Carl Body. August 10th, 1857, I hear the neighbors complain sometimes about the peddlers selling their help false jewelry, as if they themselves were true jewelry. But if their help pay as much for it as they did for theirs, then it is just a, as true jewelry as theirs, just as becoming to them, and no more, for unfortunately it is the cost of the article and not the merits of the wearer that is considered... Yeah, like he's saying, the help are buying, like, costume jewelry. 
Do you think it's as good as the rich people's jewelry? I don't know. This is for costume jewelry. The money is just as well spent and perhaps better earned. I don't care how much false jewelry the peddlers sell, nor how many of the eggs which they you steal are rotten. What prey is true jewelry? The hardened tear of a diseased clam, murdered in its old age. That's all he says a diamond is, dear. What prey is true jewelry? The hardened tear of a diseased clam murdered in its old age. Is that fair play? If not, it is no jewelry, no jewel. The mistress wears this in her ear while her help has one made of paste, which you cannot tell from it. False jewelry. Do you know of any shop where true jewelry can true jewelry can be bought? I always look askance at the jeweler and wonder what church he can belong to. What do you think means true jewelry is? The true treasures, yeah. Beauty. Did the master ever talk about, like, true jewelry, like a treasure? Hmm. <laughs> the earrings of contentment. I mean, to see the water uh, in its beauty, that's... Uh, it looks, sometimes it looks like a jewel. Doesn't to see uh, the rainbow in the sky. It's Guru like, Nanak say, let contentment be your earrings. <laughs> uh -huh. Also, those are all the qualities that can be jewels. We could say contentment. Uh, Things of beauty can be not necessarily. Talking about true jewelry. True. Sep September 2nd. Measure the thorn at yellow birch swamp at one foot from ground. Um, hmm. Hmm. I'm just going to check this. Make sure it's recording. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're just having uh, coffee. Coffee with the row. Uh -huh. Uh, you measure the yellow birch swamp at one foot from ground. It is a foot and ten inches in circumference. The first branch is at two feet, seven inches. The tree spreads about 18 feet. The height is about 17 feet. September 26. What blundering fellows these crickets are, both large and small. They were not only tumbling into the river all along shore, but into the sandy gully to escape from which is a sith, sithifist labor. Why are the crickets escaping from labor? I have not sat there many minutes watching two foraging crickets, which have decided to climb up two tall and slender weeds, almost bare of branches, as a man shines up a liberty pole sometimes, when I find that one has climbed to the summit of my knee. Remember how he, he had those crickets in the swamp climbing a leaf of grass like they were mm -hmm. men on a rig, to, on the rig of a boat? <laughs> mm -hmm. He sees crickets. When you ask if he gets lonely when he sees crickets as men. They are incessantly running about on the sunny bank. 
their still larger cousins, the mole crickets, are creaking louder, loudly and incessantly all along the shore. Others have eaten themselves, cavernous apartments, sitting room and pantry at once in windfall apples. <laughs> hmm. Now it's talking about the crickets. October 4th. While I lived in the woods, I did various jobs about the time, town, some, you know, this is talking about when he lived in the woods, maybe when he was at Walden. While I lived in the woods, I did... No, when he had the little house in there. No, he says when he lived in the woods, which that's means... when he had the little house in the woods, that's in Walden. The, the two years. Yeah, he says, while I lived in the woods, I did various jobs about town, some fence building... Painting, gardening, carpeting, etc., etc. One day a man came from the east edge of the town and said... Carpeting? They used to do carpeting then? Yeah, dear, he did... He oh, carpentry. Carpenter. He did odd oh, jobs. Carpenter. yeah, carpenter. God. He was a handyman. Mm-hmm. One day a man came from the east edge of the town and said that he wanted to get me to brick up a fireplace, etc., etc., for him. I... Dear. Mm-hmm. The noise, dear. Yeah. Don't so much noise. I make only God. recording. Eh? Yeah. I told him that I was not a mason, but he knew that I had built my own house entirely and would not take no for an answer, so I went. It was three miles off, and I walked back and forth each day, arriving early and working as late as if I were living there. The man was gone away most of the time, but had left some sand dug up in his cow yard for me to make mortar with. I bricked up a fireplace, papered a chamber, but my principal work was whitewashing ceilings. Some were so dirty that my coats would not conceal the dirt. In the kitchen I finally resorted to yellow wash to cover the dirt. I took my meals there, sitting down with my employer when he got home and his hired men. I remember the awful condition of the sink in which I washed one day, and when I came to look at what was called the towel, I passed it by and wiped my hands on the air, and thereby I resorted to the pump. pump. I worked there hard three days, charging only a dollar a day. Hmm. Let's see, that's why $30, when he found that in his desk, is worth a lot, because here he's charging a dollar a day. His earnings, dear, that may be when he was in Walden, he earned a dollar a day working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see? Out of college. Well, a dollar is quite a bit back then, supposedly. So. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I would say... Like a dollar is worth like a hundred dollars now. <laughs> About the same time, I also contracted to build a woodshed of no mean size for, I think, exactly six dollars. So you could get a woodshed <laughs> for six dollars. <laughs> you want a woodshed? Do you know we have a woodshed in Ohio? and cleared about half of it by a close calculation and swift working. You know what a woodshed's for. You put your wood in it. 
The lieutenant wanted me to throw in a gutter and latch, but I carried off the board that was left and gave him no latch but a button. It stands yet behind the kettle house. I broke up Johnny Kettle's old trowel, trowel, in which he kneaded his bread for material, going home with what nails were left in a flour, sick bucket on my arm in the rain. I was about getting into a hay rigging when my umbrella frightened the horse, and he kicked at me over the fills, uh, smashed the bucket on my arm, and stretched me on my back. But while I lay on my back, his leg being caught over the shaft, I got up to see him sprawling on the other side. This accident, the sudden bending of my ba body backwards, sprained my stomach so that I did not get quite strong there for several years, but had to give up some fence-building and other work which I had undertaken from time to time. Seems he got kicked over by a horse. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get kicked by a horse? Mm -hmm. No? Hmm. October 7th. I did not know how to entertain one who can't take long walks. The first thing that... There's no way to entertain somebody if they can't take a walk. <laughs> I do not know how to entertain one who can't take long walks. The first thing that suggests itself is to get a horse to draw them. And that brings us at once into contact with stablers and dirty harness. And I do not get over my ride for a long time. I give up my forenoon to them and get along pretty well with the very elasticity of the air. And promise of the day abetting me. But they are as heavy as dumplings by mid-afternoon if they can't walk. <laughs> He's for walking. If they can't walk, why won't they take an honest nap and let me go in the afternoon? <laughs> but come two o'clock, they alarm me by an evident disposition to sit. He hates sitting. They alarm me by an evident disposition to just sit. And in the midst of the most glorious summer, Indian summer afternoon, there they sit, breaking your chairs and wearing out the house with their backs to the light, taking no note of the lapse of time. Don't you hate that when it's nice out and they don't go out? <laughs> I like to go out on an Indian summer afternoon, a glorious one. I get upset when they just sit. I hate sitting. October 9th. I, it has come to this that the lover of art is one, the lover of nature another. Though true art is but the expression of our love of nature, <laughs> it is monstrous when one cares but little about trees but much about Corinthian columns. And yet this is exceedingly common. It's October 9th, um, 1857. It says, I'll put a, a star 
It has come to this that the lover of art is one and the lover of nature another, though true art is but the expression of our love of nature. You like that? That's famous, right? If you can get a quote, I'm going to put that in my Quotationist Philosopher magazine. That's where you just quote people feel that you're a smart person from having quoted them. <laughs> October 12th, this was what those scramps did in California. The trees were so grand and venerable, 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 that they could not afford to let them grow a hair's breadth bigger and live a moment longer to reproach themselves. They were so big that they resolved they shall never be bigger. Maybe they're talking about the redwood forest. <laughs> they were so venerable that they cut them right down. It was not for the sake of the wood, it was only because they were very grand and vener ver venerable. You think this is the redwood forest and the sequoia trees? It is. The Sequoias, uh -huh. California. We'll read that again. October 12th, uh, 1857. This was what those scramps uh, did in California. The trees were so grand and venerable that they could not afford to let them grow a hair's breadth bigger or live a moment longer to reproach themselves. They were so big that they resolved they shall never be bigger. They were so venerable that they cut them right down. It was not for the sake of the wood. It was only because they were very grand and vener venerable. October 14th, another. The tenth of these memorable days. We have had some fog the last two or three nights, and this forenoon it was slow to disperse. Dog day-like. You know what the dog day-like is? That's where it's like hot and humid or something. But this afternoon it was warmer even than yesterday. It should like, I should like it better if it were not so warm. Wow, it's October 14th and it's hot. I am glad to reach the shade of Hubbard's Grove. The coolness is refreshing. Yeah, you need trees and a grove to be refreshed. They didn't complain about uh, climate change back then, half the October. <sighs> it was hot, uh, hot in October. It is indeed a golden autumn. We're talking about, he keeps saying it's an Indian summer in 1857. Hmm. Golden autumn, these, these two days are enough to make the reputation of a, any climate a tradition of these days might be handed down to posterity. We're handing this down actually to posterity uh -huh. by reading it. They deserve a notice in history and the history of Concord. Are we gonna go to Concord? <laughs> I can't wait to go to Concord. We can do a New England road trip in a way. New England is very rich in goodies. Uh -huh. mm. 
All kinds of crudités have a chance to get ripe this year. Was there ever such an autumn? And yet there was never such a panic and hard times in the commercial world, actually. Set the day the banks failed. The merchants and banks are suspending and failing all over the country. But not the sandbanks. <laughs> Solid and warm and streaked with bloody blackberry vines. The banks, uh, they had a banking crisis in 1857, I think. Hmm. You may run into them as much as you please, even as the crickets do, and find their account in it. They are the stockholders in these banks, and I hear them creaking their content. They may see them on change. You may see them on chance any warmer hour in. You may see them on change any warmer hour. I in these banks too, and such as these are my funds deposited. Of fund of health and enjoyment. He's invested in heavily in health and enjoyment. In the sand banks. With the crickets, I guess. Fear the crickets' prosperity and happiness, and I trust mine to not depend on whether the New York banks suspend or no. We do not rely on such slender security as the thin paper of the Suffolk Bank. To put your trust in a bank is to be swallowed up and undergo suffocation. Invest, I say, in these country banks. Let your capital be simplicity and contentment. That's famous, too. We can make it famous. Do you, do you think we should do that? Let our capital be simplicity and contentment. A lot of people recommend that. Hmm. Hmm. You think we are forced to be simple and content? Are we sim are we just simpletons or are we into simplicity? I take all these walks to every point of the compass and it is always harvest time with me. I am always gathering my crop from these woods and fields and waters and no man is in my way or interferes with me. My crop is not their crop. Today I see them gathering in their beans and corn. Any more coffee? Or tea or anything? They are a spectacle to me, but as soon out of my sight, I am not gathering beans and corn. Sat, uh, sat in the old pasture beyond the, the corner spring woods to look at that pine wood, now at the height of its change, pitch and white, their change produces a very singular and pleasing effect. They are regularly particolored, the last year's leaves about a foot beneath the extremities of the twigs on all sides. Now changed and ready to fall, have their period of brightness as well as broader leaves. They are a clear yellow, contrasting with the fresh and liquid green of the terminal plums, or this year's leaves. 
These two quite distinct colors are thus regularly and equally distributed over the whole tree. They have the warmth of the yellow and the coolness of the green. It would, So it should be with our own maturity, not yellow to the very extremity of our shoots, but youthful and untried green ever putting forth a thrush at the extremities, foretelling a maturity as yet unknown. The ripe leaves fall to the ground and become nutriment for the green ones, which still aspire to heaven. In the fall of the leaf, there is no fruit. There is no true maturity, neither in our science and wisdom. Hmm. Hmm. Do you know what he's saying there? Hmm. Hmm. October 15th, Concord Bank has suspended because of the panic of 1857. Even Concord Bank suspended there. The panic mm -hmm. of 1857. They had such problems back then and throughout history. October 20th, I had gone but a little way on the old Carlisle Road when I saw Brooks Clark, who was now about eighty and bent like a bow, hastening along the road barefooted, <laughs> barefooted as usual with an axe in his hand. That's unusual, dear, to be, to, to be, to take an axe while you're barefooted is not so wise. Mm -hmm. Like, as children, when we are cutting wood, you do, wouldn't go out and chop wood with barefoot, mm -hmm. unless you want to cut your toe off. Huh? Mm -hmm. Barefooted, as usual, with the axe in his hand, was in haste, perhaps, on account of the cold wind on his bare feet. It is he who took the sentinel so long when I got him up when he got up to me, I saw that, besides the axe in one hand, he had his shoes in the other, filled with knurly apples and a dead robin. He stopped and talked with me a few moments and said that he had had a noble autumn and might now expect some cold weather. I asked if he had found the robin dead. No, he said, I found it with its wing broken and killed it. He also added that he had found some apples in the woods, and as he had anything to carry them in, he put them in his shoes. <laughs> what do you think of that? Mm -hmm. So he put the apples in his shoes. <laughs> they were queer-looking trays to carry fruit in. How many he got in along towards the toes, I don't know. I noticed, too, that his pockets were stuffed with them. His old tattered frock coat was hanging in strips about the skirts as were his pantaloons about his naked feet. He appeared to have been out on a scout this gusty afternoon to see what he could find as the youngest boy might. He's actually 80, though. I have pleased me to see this cheery old man with such a feeble hold on life, bent almost double, thus enjoying the evening of his days. 
you think we could go out when we're 80 and just pick apples? Mm -hmm. A cheery old man. Mm -hmm. October 22nd. What a perfect chest. The chestnut is packed in. I now hold a green burr in my hand, which round must have been two and a quarter inches in diameter, from which three plump nuts had been extracted. It has a straight stout stem, three sixteenths of an inch in diameter, set on strongly and abruptly. It had gaped in four segments or quarters, revealing the thickness of its walls from eight five-eighths to three-quarters of an inch. Hmm. With such caref wonderful care, nature has secluded and defended these nuts, as if they were her most precious fruits, while diamonds are left to take care of themselves. First it bristles all over with sharp green prickles, some nearly half an inch long, like a hedgehog rolled into a ball. These rest on a stiff, thick, stiff, bark-like rind one-sixteenth of an to one-eighth of an inch thick, which again is most daintily lined with a kind of silvery fur or velvet plush one-sixteenth of an inch thick, thus even rising in a ridge between the nuts like the lining of a casket in which the most precious commodities are kept. I see the brown-spotted white cavities where the bases of the nuts have rested and sucked up nourishment from the stem. The little stars on the top of the nuts are but shorter and feebler spines which mingle with the rest. Hmm. Does this sound like a chestnut? <laughs> are we talking about our chestnuts? They stand up close together, three or more, erecting their teeny weapons as an infinite in the body arms of its nurse might put out its own teeny hands to fend off aggressors. There is no waste room. The chest is packed quite full. Half-developed nuts are the waste paper used in the packing to fill the vacancies. At last frost comes to unlock this chest. It alone holds the true key. It, its lids straightway gape open, and the October air rushes in, dries the ripe nuts, and then with a ruder gust shakes them all out in a rattling shower down upon the withered leaves. So, dear, who unlocks the chest? The frost. The last frost comes to unlock this chest, uh -huh. the chest of chestnuts. Uh -huh. With a perfect chest, the chestnut is packed. <laughs> hmm, I did not aware of that. Are you aware of a perfect packed chest the chestnut is packed in? We are not no, all not knowing of this. Uh -huh. We have a perfect lack of knowledge. Uh -huh. We don't claim to be a foremost scholar of uh, New England transcendentalism. Mm -hmm. 
October 29th. There are some things of which I cannot at once tell whether I have dreamed them or they are real, as if they were just perchance, perchance establishing or else losing a real basis in my world. This is especially the case in the early morning hours. <laughs> you think he can tell the difference between a dream and reality? When there is a gradual transition from dreams to waking thoughts, from illusions to actualities, as from darkness and perchance moon and starlight to sunlight. Dreams are real, as in the light of the stars and moon, and theirs is said to be a dreamy light. Such early morning thoughts as I speak of occupy a debatable ground between dreams and waking thoughts. They are a sort of permanent dream in my mind, at least until we have uh, for some time changed our position from prostrate to erect and commenced or faced some of the duties of the day. We cannot tell what we have dreamed from what we have actually experienced. This morning, for instance, for the twentieth time at least, here's twenty times. Do you have repeating dreams? Mm -hmm. For the twentieth time at least, I thought of that mountain in the easterly part of our town, which no high hill actually is, which once or twice I had ascended and often allowed my thoughts alone to climb. So he thought of a mountain. I now contemplate it in my mind as a familiar thought, which I have surely had for many years from time to time, but whether anything could have reminded me of it in the middle of yesterday, whether I have, whether I ever before remembered it in broad daylight, I doubt. I can now eke out the vision I had of it this morning with my old and yesterday forgotten dreams. It seems he keeps climbing this mountain like 20 times in his dreams. My way up used to lie through a dark and unfrequented wood at its base. I cannot now tell exactly. It was so long ago under what circumstances I first descended, only that I shuddered as I went along. I have an indistinct remembrance of having been out overnight alone. And then I steadily ascended along a rocky ridge, half clad with stinted trees, where wild beasts haunted, till I lost myself quiet in the upper air in clouds, seeming to pass an imaginary line which separates a hill, a mere earth heaped up from a mountain into a soup, Subterranean grandeur and sublimity. What distinguishes that summit above the earthly line is that it is unhandseled, awful, grand. It can never become familiar. You are lost the moment you set foot there. You know no path, but wander thrilled over the barren, pathless rock as if it were solidified air and cloud. The rocky, misty summit secreted in the clouds was far more thrillingly awful 
and sublime than the crater of a volcano spouting fire. Dear, where did he climb to? Is this a dream or reality? Hmm? It's amazing this thing they say about hmm. glitches. About the what? medical glitches oh, empty uh, a marble of anatomy. Each one, in addition to its three jawed mouth, hmm. contains two hearts, two circulatory systems, five pairs of eyes, hmm. 32 brains, 10 stomachs, 18 testicles. Who does? One leads. One what? Leads. The ones they take the blood out, the oh, bad each. blood. Oh, yeah. each does? The leads body plan is uh, redundary in, in the extreme. Leads can also grow five to ten times their normal size after a meal. Hmm. My goodness. Well, that's an interesting nature aside. Huh? And, uh, they use them now, they use them a lot in uh, pre-surgery. Pre they use them before surgery. They're mm. extremely important in the... Uh, oh, in surgery? Mm -hmm. What do you mean? They yeah, used to? The modern uh, uh, doctors in now, they in use them... In surgery? Yeah. Uh, to a leech? Yeah, they're extremely beneficial. It's amazing. We're using they leeches about. now. Yeah, and they farm them in England somewhere. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I this specialized anatomy allows them to eat a tremendous amount of blood and then literally spend the rest of the year bloated and motionless at the bottom of the pond. But really? Peter's pond, pond, Peter Bond, doesn't like to let this, his leeches get flappy, flabby. I'm going to continue with Thoreau's 20th time climbing this imaginary dream mountain where he had a thrillingly sublime uh, secreted in the clouds was far more thrillingly sublime than the crater of a volcano spouting fire. I think that men generally are mistaken with regard to amusements. Everyone who deserves to be regarded as higher than the brute may be supposed to have an earnest purpose to accomplish which is the object of his existence. This is at once his work and his supremest pleasure and for diversion and relaxation, for suggestion and education and strength, there is offered the never-failing amusement of getting a living, never-failing, I mean, when temperately indulged in. I know of no such amusement, so wholesome and in every sense profitable, for instance, as to spend an hour or two in a day picking some berries. <laughs> You think picking berries is the ultimate or other fruits which will be food for the winter and collecting driftwood from the river for fuel or cultivating the few beans or potatoes which I want. The leeches arrive at the hospital Dear. in a plastic container of water. You can get 12 packs for forty-nine forty. only hungry and ready to feed. What? Dear, this is the ultimate in Thoreau. Here. He says, I know of no such amusement so wholesome in every sense profitable, for instance, as to spend an hour or two in the day picking some berries or other fruits which will be food for the winter or collecting driftwood from the river for fuel or cultivating the few beans or potatoes which I want. 
So this is it, dear. The ultimate is just berries and beans. <laughs> Theaters and operas was intoxicate for season are as nothing compared to these pursuits. And so it is with all the true arts of life. Man, he really knocks the opera. I still like some opera. <laughs> Farming and building and manufacturing and sailing are the greatest and wholesomest amusements that were ever invented. For God invented them, and I suppose that the farmers and mechanics know it, only I think they indulge in excess generally, and so what was meant for a joy becomes the sweat of the brow. So he says that farming and building and manufacturing and sailing are okay. Farming, building, manufacturing and sailing. Well, he did some farming. He did some building. He manufactured some pencils and he sailed his boat. So if you did what Thoreau did, you're okay. It's amazing. They have mm. such an enormous article about glitches. Yeah. Mm. They are little hero animals. Uh. Mm. Mm. Gambling, horse racing, loafing, rowdyism generally. After all, tempt but few. The mass are tempted by those other amusements of farming. Are you tempted by farming at all? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like farming? Do you ever feel like just like growing tomatoes or something? <laughs> In the backyard, and I was tempted to grow tomatoes. <laughs> it is a great amusement, and more profitable than I could have invented to go and spend an afternoon hour All picking cranberries. In Greece, I remember the old ladies, they used to regularly, every winter, they used to use leeches. Dear, mm -hmm. it says here that we should be picking berries and picking cranberries and growing beans, so. Mm -hmm. Are we? By these various pursuits, your experience becomes singularly complete and rounded. The novelty and the significance of such pursuits are remarkable. Such is the path by which we climb to the heights of our being and compare the poetry, which such simple pursuits have inspired with the unreadable volumes which have been written about art. Well, he places the beans above art even. Do you think cranberries and berries and beans are all above art? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. November 20th. In books, that which is most generally interesting is what comes home to the most cherished private experience of the greatest number. It is not the book of him who has traveled the farthest over the surface of the globe, but of him who has lived the deepest and been the most at home. He says if you live deep. If an equal emotion is excited by a familiar, homely phenomenon as by the pyramids, there is no advantage in seeing the pyramids. It is on the whole better, as it is simpler. To use the common language, we require that the reporter be very permanently planted before the facts which he observes, not a mere passer-by, whence the facts cannot be too homely. A man is worth most to himself and to others 
whether as an observer or poet or neighbor or friend, where he is most himself, he is most himself, most contented and at home. There his life is the most intense, and he loses the fewest moments. Familiar and surrounding objects are the best symbols and illustrations of his life. If a man who has had deep experiences should endeavor to describe them in a book of travels, it would be to use the language of a wandering tribe instead of a universal language the poet has made the best roots in his native soil of any man and is the hardest to transplant. The man who is often thinking that it is better to be somewhere else than where he is excommunicated himself. A man who is often thinking that it is better to be somewhere else than where he is excommunicates himself. Just be, <laughs> just to be where you are, to be. If a man is rich and strong anywhere, it must be on his native soil. Here I have been these forty years, learning the language of these fields, that I may the better express myself. If I should travel to the prairies, I should much less understand them, and my past life would serve me but ill to describe them. Many a weed here stands for more of life to me than the big trees of California. Would if I should go there, we only need travel enough to give our intellects an air airing. In spite of Malthus and the rest, there will be plenty of room in this world, and if every man will mind his own business. I have not heard of any planet running against another yet. Hmm. Now we'll finish uh, with our time allotment. Hmm. November 25th. This is November, the hardest kind. Hmm. I'm going to stop, I think, because we're not going to finish. We're stopping to... We're most content with what we have right now. So we're stopping now. We're the most contented at home. And we're stopping on November 20th because we're content with this reading. And we would be content if we just picked berries and cranberries and harvested the beans. <laughs> And we read about how he had some sort of mountain he was climbing, which was thrillingly sublime, and 20 times in his dreams, I guess. Uh -huh. you know, how the frost cracks open the chestnuts, and the panic of 1857 in the banking crisis. And, let, and we learned that we should let your capital be simplicity and contentment. And we learned about the redwood forest, and we learned about if they can't walk, why won't they take an honest nap and let me go out in the afternoon? But come to two o'clock, they alarm me by an evident disposition to sit. 
in the midst of most glorious Indian summer afternoon, well, there they, there they sit, breaking your chairs and wearing out the house with their backs to the light, taking no note of the lapse of time. Mm. And we started off the reading about what is, constitutes true jewelry, which we thought might just be like letting contentment be your earrings, I guess. And it's okay to have costume jewelry. Fake diamonds are okay, <laughs> I guess. Whatever. We read from August to November in uh, uh, the year of uh, 1857 in the best of the journals of Henry David Thoreau. And we did it somewhat thoroughly. We read Thoreau somewhat thoroughly, I guess. <laughs>